On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, we'll talk with the owners from three breweries around the country for a roundtable discussion on what it's like inside their businesses today and what the future might hold. This is John Hall, and welcome to the show. Episode 8, and we've been talking about a lot of practical advice to help small breweries, but this month we wanted to return to the brew house and get the perspective on what's happening in the day-to-day lives of breweries. Joining me in just a moment is going to be Bree Burroughs, the head brewer and co-owner of Big Rip Brewing in Missouri, Courtney and Derek Guggenberger of Gugman House Brewing in Indiana. Derek is the brewer and Courtney is the director of marketing. And Christopher Ganzi, owner and brewer of Daleview Biscuit and Beer in Brooklyn, New York. We'll talk to them in just a moment. But first, I'm happy to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing Equipment is the smart choice for your bottom line. With their turnkey 3.5-barrel gas-fired or electric brewhouse systems starting at only $16,999, you won't find a better match of price, performance, and quality. Hit the ground running with equipment you can count on and support you can trust so you can focus on what matters, ROI. Visit BlickmanPro.com to learn more. And join us on November 6th and 7th for NanoCon Online. COVID might keep us from being in San Diego, but our new interactive online format will feature the opportunity to get questions answered from craft brewing experts in real time and learn from each other about what is working and what isn't. You'll also gain full access to video recordings of our 30-plus seminars and roundtable discussions on both the business and brewing side of running a small-scale brewery. With so many fundamental changes this year, it's more important than ever to invest in better understanding the new brewing business landscape and how to best rebuild or launch your small brewery. Don't miss learning from craft brewing industry experts without even leaving your home or brewery with live online sessions covering sales and marketing, brewery operations, business operations, and startups. Plus, when you register now, you'll save $100 and pay just $199. For a full uh, listing of event details, check out nanocon.beer. Okay, as is the custom these days, when you get a group together to talk over beers, you do it via Zoom. This, as you well know, is sometimes imperfect. People drop out, forget they're on mute, or forget to mute when the background is loud, or speaking through their computers. Not everyone, it seems, has a radio mic in their office. So bear with us as we talk about what's happening in these small breweries as we gathered online in a Zoom room just a couple of days ago. The situations and lessons learned along the way as I speak to these uh, four brewers might help you understand your own brewery. Bree, Courtney, Derek, and Chris joined me from their respective breweries. Well, thank you all for doing this, and it's uh, nice to see you all virtually. I really miss being in tap rooms and visiting breweries these days, but uh, seeing you all in your various settings right now as we do this call on Zoom is uh, making me long for the days of of being at a bar even more. Chris, I want to start with you because you're in Brooklyn and New York was one of the very first states to get hit hard by COVID-19 and saw shutdowns pretty yeah. much in the middle of March. The rest of the country sort of caught up uh, quickly afterwards and then staggered beyond from there. But um, what was it like in those early days and, and, and what did you have to do to, to use the, the term of the time pivot uh, for, for, for your business. And then we're starting to still see restrictions on 
you know, breweries, especially in your state. Um, so how is it these days? So I guess the question is, you know, how was it back then and what did you do and how's it now and what are you doing? So when it first happened, it was like, oh shit. Like this, to be honest, because like, we were like on an upward, upward tra- trajectory with our business. And it was like, it hit us hard. And we tried, we tried some new things, but it, you know, the first couple the first couple of weeks was like, you know, I was wasting more money than I was actually making. So what I did and with my wife's influence, what well, we shut down for the rest of March, April, and May to figure out exactly how the business is going to go, how the business should work, actually work. Wow. So, so I came back at the end of May and restructured everything. Um, so we started doing more takeout and we, st- and we started, when I came back, before I came back, we did, we did double brew days, try to keep up, just get um, half capacity. Um, so when we opened back up, business popped. Like it was going, it was like, it was going, it has been going very good since we opened back up. But the problem has been, we don't have enough beer. Um, we're a two barrel system, like everybody else. Um, it, uh, you guys are four, like, and I have eight lines. And before, before the pandemic hit, you know, I was moving beer a little bit slowly, so I didn't have to brew on a regular basis. Now I'm in a place that I don't have enough beer to, um, to sell. Like I have food, but not enough beer. Like, so out of the eight lines, I only have three up with beer and we're probably like three weeks out of having everything full again. And as the pace of everything been going, we're going to be back in the same predicament. But the neighborhood has been really galvanized around us and really supporting us and end up getting new customers from the neighborhood because people didn't know we were here until they had to work from home. Yeah. Does that sound familiar to anybody else on this panel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd say we, we, I mean, when we shut down, you know, we, we pivoted to cans pretty quickly. Um, and then I had way too much beer and I went from having too much beer to now not having enough beer because, you know, we'll have a week where our sales are just awful. And then, like last week, it picked back up again. It's like n- no one can decide what they want to do or if they're going to stay home, if they're going to come out, uh, where they're going to go. Um, so, yeah, we're, we have like 13 taps, but I think I only have seven beers on right now. Wow. And um, I, it's hard to gauge what people want, so I'm not brewing extra because – if I do that, then I'm just going to have way too much beer. <laughs> so. Derek, before we, uh, before we started recording, you were saying that you're focusing on, uh, on house beers, but then also uh, you guys are putting out um, uh, a lot of IPAs, uh, Hazy New England's, and even just a, a recent Berliner. Um, it sounds like you have a lot of diversity going on your taps right now and, 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 and what's available. What are you finding has worked? What are you finding is resonating with people uh, there in Indiana. Yeah, so for us, about I say on a weekly basis, like roughly about half our sales are basically new releases or special releases, and half our core beers. And so one of the things that we wanted to focus on at first was having a good set of core beers and everything ranging from a pilsner um, all the way to a milk stout. And so that's worked great for us. People, you know, will consistently come in and get and get those same beers. But then we also have the people that will come in for these special releases that we do. And I don't know how it is or everyone else. 
Um, people in Indiana love fruited beers. So we do, you know, 10 and milkshakes, um, you know, fruited saisons, things like that. And then of course the hazy IPAs, you know, those have become real popular. Our, ours have become very popular. So we've continued to do a lot of those, especially during the shutdown. Has anybody seen a, a change in consumer drinking habits of what people were asking for pre-COVID versus what they're asking for now? I'd say for us, I think we, so we're just a year old. Um, and when, so we got shut down in, in March um, and we hadn't even, we'd been working on cans for quite a while, but our cans were ready for us to actually start using three weeks after we shut down. So the timing was perfect. So for us, what we kind of discovered, and this isn't new, I guess, to people that have done cans for a while, but the love of having something unique in a can that they can go, people can go and share with others. And so for us, that was like a huge thing that carried us through. Um, and so our milkshake releases, we started doing those on Saturday mornings, you know, for curbside pickup. Um, and for us, that was something that really stuck. So now we don't really have, it's all manual canning. So we don't have the time right now to can, you know, if we want to try to sell it in the beer garden and then save some for cans, um, we're trying to figure out a balance of how to make all of that happen to make our consumers happy. But yeah, it was like, what do you use for, what do you use for canning? We have an October steamer. Yep. Okay. I have so one. You're doing, so you're doing crawlers mostly? No, it's uh, 12 ounce four packs. Oh, okay. Bree, what about you? You, you, you uh, moved to, to canning as well. Yeah, uh, we also use an October steamer. Um, we started with the 16 ounce cans and then we couldn't get them at the beginning of shutdown. So now we're doing 12 ounce cans um, of most of our offerings and yeah i agree uh during the shutdown i was just like going out and buying juice and throwing different juice in different kegs and racking on top of it and uh canning it up um because people didn't want to come buy all the regular stuff they needed a reason to specifically order from us so i was making one-off kegs random stuff uh fruity <laughs> stuff and that's what was selling and it seems like that's continuing on that trend um people are constantly asking for fruity beers that, that's the same over here too like um my most popular beers have been like a sorrel beer and like a um, ginger strawberry nice. like today i had to turn somebody around because that kicked when i put the ginger strawberry on it kicked okay. in five days so <laughs> are you doing refills of, of everything too um no like i'm trying not to do the same thing over and over again especially mm -hmm. since strawberries on the season it's kind of hard to find like the prices are crazy yeah so i'm trying to keep things um i also th i was also thinking about the bottom line too so before i throw a fruit in there so that brings up an interesting point especially of you know, the bottom line and supply, the supply chain and, and, and logistics as well. And Brie, you mentioned it, it difficult to find the cans that you wanted. And we all know it's, this is an economy of scale game. And so the larger breweries, if even they're having problems right now, and we're starting to hear problems of Molson Coors having issues uh, with their aluminum supply chain, uh, when that trickles down to the two barrel brew houses, uh, I can't necessarily imagine what that's, what that's been like. Um, how, how have any of you, and sort of a, a, a jump question, a toss question here, um, how have you found 
success in getting what you need or are you still on waiting lists for a lot of things? I'd say here it's been fairly, fairly simple. Um, it's pretty easy to get the 12 ounce cans. We have a pretty good packaging company uh, about 30 minutes north of here, but also like in Missouri. Yeah. 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 And then uh, it, all the other breweries have been pretty good at doing at trading. Like I recently traded uh, a bunch of my 12 ounce cans for someone else's 16 ounce cans uh, just because I only had labels for 16 ounce cans. So uh, everyone's, all the other breweries around, uh, not Boulevard, but pretty much every other brewery has been really good at uh, helping each other out. Have you all seen that camaraderie as well in Indiana and, and in New York? Yeah, there's, there's been lots of holding hands with each other. Um, our guild, the New York City Guild, is very strong. So we can, um, member to member, like if you need something, they're great resources. Yeah, same here. I think it was a lot of trying to lift up just the small business community in general. So for us, it's like, please just, I, I think I put it in some of our posts, like, thank you for either shopping with us or the brewery down the street, because when you help one, you usually you can at least help all of them in some, in some regards, but everyone's been trying to lend a hand when, when they can. Yeah. So just back on, you know, having to be scrappy and having to, to you know, think about where every dollar that's coming in is eventually going to go again. Um, what, what are some of the, I don't know, the logistics or, um, you know, the ingredients, the supplies that you're either, either having trouble getting or that you're now, uh, you know, budgeting for in new ways to make sure that you have enough of when, when, when you go forward? You know, Derek, what about you? I think the, the main thing that we found is actually there seems to be a decent amount of fruit shortage right now. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's just a normal summer thing. You know, this is essentially our first year kind of doing this volume of beer. Um, you know, so whether that's a, a normal summer thing or now. So basically whenever a certain fruit kind of shows up as available, we buy it. So we have a decent stock of fruit ready um, to use just because we don't know when we're going to get some more next. And Chris, for you, I mean, you have the, the restaurant as well. So you're not only worrying about beer ingredients, but you're also thinking about you know, making sure that the, the restaurant side, the, the food side uh, is, is well supplied. Um, how have you found the balance between the two? Um, the balance, you know, the beer side has been smooth. Like I also agree with, um, about the fruit, like <laughs> the, the fruit I want to use, I can't really get. Um, but the on the on the food side, like I've been having issues uh, with with the gluten free because since our biscuits are gluten free, finding a gluten free flour that I want to use without having going without going straight to the um, to the manufacturer. Yeah. Because um, right now, I'm in it like a little pigeonhole because where I normally order my um, my food from, it's like a it's a week and a half out before I can get more flour. It's a good wow. thing I purchase purchase in bulk prior. Mm -hmm. But if, but if I have a, a busy weekend, I'll be SOL going into next week. So how far, so pre COVID, how far out were all of you thinking about, you know, recipe development or beer releases or, you know, even just general business, you know, I, I know the smaller you are, the harder it is to sort of plan for the long term. And in, in, in some cases, um, it, it almost strikes me these days that there really needs to be 
long-term focus of saying, okay, if I, if I'm going to stay in business, if I'm going to keep going, I need to be thinking about, you know, November when I'm in August, uh, when I might've just been only thinking about September. Um, how have your schedules changed? How have your, 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 your planning lives for the individual breweries changed? And, you know, Courtney, I'm, I'm curious from, from your standpoint. Yeah. So, so our beer releases has always kind of been, he's down there brewing it. We talk, you know, um, our very small team about what we want to put out and then we put it out and like, you know, we put out two new ones today. We'll have one Saturday next week. We'll have three more. Like we turn them very fast because they're one, two, mainly one or two barrels since we usually do those small ones sometimes it's a five but he can talk more about that anyways um so from that perspective it didn't really change much um i think more emphasis was put on it since that was what we had to talk about um since we were shut down to talk about what was going on in the beer garden because nothing was anymore but as far as planning and kind of thinking ahead that's where we're trying to get ahead of the game right now so we have a very small tap room and we haven't opened it yet. We're only beer garden um, because you can't social distance very well in the house, like our, in the house at all. And so we just bought a new um, double door fridge and we're trying to plan for not having anybody sit inside um, throughout the winter, which is crazy to think about. Um, but we're gonna be ready to switch back to a can only can release model if we, if and when we need to do that. Yeah. Bri, it looks like you're talking to us from the tap room right now. Yeah. Uh, have, 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 uh, has it just turned into your full-time office now because people aren't coming inside? Uh, well, we're allowed to have people inside. We have a fairly large uh, customer area. So we're, we're allowed 50%, which is about 50 people, which includes the inside and our patio. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when we were shut down, I had kegs everywhere and cans everywhere and <laughs> all our all our merchandise was spread out and I'm like, do we have to reopen? Cause this is, this is pretty nice. <laughs> our, ours was the same to go from, to, you know, a regular having people sit in your seats overnight to being a to go business. I mean, it was like, it was embarrassing if anyone walked up and looked inside mm -hmm. the window because it was just hands and boxes. Yeah. yeah chaos. But yeah, one of my employees couldn't deal with it anymore. So they reorganized everything and threatened me. It's like, you know, if anything comes back up here, I'm getting you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's an interesting, let, let, let's sort of explore that a little bit of just the switching to a to-go model, um, which, you know, I've talked with brewers over the last couple of months of, you know, having almost no uh, online store or online presence for, for commerce to suddenly um, being able to sell beer on the internet and, and have people show up in their, uh, in your, in your front yard. Um, Brie, how is it, how is the, uh, the, the adjustment for, for you with, uh, with your brewery? It, it was a little slow to start with. Um, like, you know, like, like you guys were canning on a single can seamer one at a time. It takes me half an hour to can 30 beers. So, <laughs> Uh, and also, yeah, building up our online store and getting it all ready and then having to switch from 16 ounce to 12 ounce and uh, just coordinating, you know, what hours will work best for us to be here and sell beer. Um, I think we were, when we got shut down in the middle of March, I think it was probably the middle of 
uh, beginning of April before we had anything ready to go for people to come pick up. Did, did that hurt you, do you think? Yeah, yeah, probably, because at first it was like people were really excited and they're like, oh, support local, support local, like constantly going out. And since we were a little behind the game, um, you know, all those packaging breweries that already do cans, they, they were ready to go right away. All they had to do was flip a switch on their POS that says, oh, yes, you can buy it online now. Um, so I think by the time we started, people were kind of a little bit over the whole uh, going out and getting stuff thing. And they started resorting back to their usual liquor store run. Yeah. Um for for you uh, both in Indiana right now, I mean, I, what was the transition like for you? And you know, was there? I don't know what were what were some of the key lessons learned as you had to sort of change to go to curbside pickup. Um, so we we were pretty lucky that we were able to. I'd made like an online store. Our website was set up to where we could do that. And I, for asking around, I'm like, is this even legal? Because they hadn't really passed all the, you know extensions to allow you to sell through the website yeah but um so we switched on our to go and in the first few weeks since we didn't have cans yet we focused heavy on growlers and bullets um and even before we had to stop allowing people to come in the tap room um like by mandate we we stopped and we had people just start parking in the parking lot so they would call us when they got there we'd package their order based on their order number from their email and we'd get their bring it out to after one milkshake can release, that was like chaos because everyone showed up at one time to pick it up. We actually put signs in the parking lot. So then people would pull into a parking spot. They'd call us, tell us their parking spot number and we'd run their order out to them. So we ended up, it was pretty good for, um, good for us. Um, and we kind of, we changed as we went. Like when we, you know, every weekend we would change hours until they fit what really worked for us so that we weren't there sitting there extra time, and, you know, gave when people are coming just to pick up beer that they've already ordered online, we gave them smaller windows to do it. So. Okay. Yeah. Chris, are you, uh, you back with us? Nope. Chris was here and then he, uh, he dropped out again. I think some of those uh, wires in Brooklyn are, are getting <laughs> a little crossed uh, as it were, but when we get him back, we will. Uh, uh, we'll, yeah. I'm here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Chris, I was going to ask you. Uh, yep. We can. Maybe not. I think you're muted. Okay. I can hear you again. There you are. I had a bad, it was a bad connection. I went okay. to the back of the breweries. And I guess the internet doesn't love me back there. Okay. Well, welcome back. It's good to have you here. Um, I, I was going to ask, because uh, we were talking about um, – uh, you know, some of those early days and, and moving to online business. But I'm curious, you mentioned that you were closed for two and a half months. And, you know, obviously, you were able to, to do that and reopen. Um, did you build that into a business plan uh, in the very early days of planning for something catastrophic? Or was this just sort of a Hail Mary pass? And, you know, did you ever have confidence that you would have been able to reopen your doors? Uh, you, you when know, you did shut them that first time, I didn't have confidence at all. Um, it was it was my wife who was like, you know, you'll be fine. Like, you know, just need to make sure you have a real plan when you go back, so you're not burning through money. And 
So I took that two that two months I took off. It was really about planning and getting my um, online ordering set up properly and coming up with my coming up with my own delivery service and not using the uh, the major companies. Yeah. So. So, but it was the plan. Like, no, I didn't. I did not have a disaster plan written to my business plan at all. Because um, when it happened, I was like, ah, oh, crap. I'm not opening back up. Like, you know, I quit all. I quit my job. <laughs> and now this happens, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be broke. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, yeah, I think everybody can kind of relate to that uh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Sorry, did somebody want to jump in there? Nope. No, we okay. were agreeing yeah. that yes, the, the fear of quitting your job for us was both of us jumping in back in May. Yep. Jumped off the um, cliff. Yes. Right. That's, that's a big cliff to jump off of. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And I and, and in some cases, I mean you all are still falling. Right? I mean, does or does it feel like that? It feels like I, I like I'm on a I'm on a level ground right now. I feel I don't know how high is high right now because there's so much potential. Like during this time, we're able to flex. Like, and how do we flex with our with the business to keep it going? You know, like I can't have I learn I can't have a um a downer mindset. I have to have a positive looking forward forward outlook. Um, like what? How do I look in December or in January when it gets cold? And typically, that's when business drops anyway. Like, how do I transition to that time? going forward, like now I'm planning three months out and six months out before I was only planning a month to month, you know, because that's how the business was. That makes sense. How about for, for, for all of you, uh, where you, where you're feeling these days as to where you are in a comfort level. Yeah. We, we have kind of a different position too. Cause we're, we just started expansion, like our, big expansion that's been in the works really we opened last year this bigger part was kind of in the works like for four years um so we're watching this very large building start well it hasn't taken shape yet but they're putting foundation next week but start to look a lot different so we're trying to plan for that we're building an event center in the middle of a pandemic when people don't have events anymore yeah um, which is sounds very crazy um but we have it, it, yeah i was gonna say what sort it, of it, it, what kind of I think is that? I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing that you're doing that, like a foresight. Because when people, when, when after the pandemic and things things start becoming back to normal, people are going to be hungry for to do something. And by you having that place already, you 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 you're going to have so much business. You're going to not you're not going to know what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, so we're trying to like plan that out and um, at the same time figure out what winter is going to look like same time for me more personally i'm now going to be like my child's kindergarten teacher which is scary <laughs> in its own other way but i we will all get we all get through it <laughs> i'll send you positive thoughts thanks i want to try some I, we, we, i have a fourth grader nice as, and um a seventh grader and a high schooler now wow. so is it all virtual Yes, you know the older kids did much better at the virtual mm -hmm. learning this year. My my son, his, his attention span is not strong enough to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll send positive thoughts your way too. <laughs> um, 
Bree, are you still with us? Yeah. So I guess my my other question, sort of, um, you know, where, where are you these days as far as um, uh, you know logistics and 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 you know, where you see the future? You know, what sort of ground you're on right now? It's it's definitely weird thinking about it because uh, you know, yeah, we were. I was planning beers uh, a few months in advance uh, with you know, maybe once a month having, you know, a last minute idea or recipe that I'd make. Um, but we have several seasonals, you know, that I haven't made this year because it just doesn't make sense. You know, we can't have the big events that we would normally have surrounding these seasonal beers. Um, we have an event space that we can't book because we can't have more than 50 people in the whole building at a time. Um, and, you know, we used to have Halloween party. That's not going to happen. Um, food trucks don't want to come out because it's not busy enough. Um, and so it's all just right now. I'm just kind of like, okay, well, I guess I'll make this beer and see how it goes. Uh, but it's definitely not as coordinated as it was. Um, I have no idea when they're going to lift our capacity restrictions. Um, when we're going to be able to have big events, if we're ever going to be able to do that again. Um, you opened up a, a, an interesting line of conversation that I want to follow through, but I also uh, need to, at this point, take a mid-show break and say thanks again to this episode's sponsor. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing Equipment is the smart choice for your bottom line. Visit BlickmanPro.com. Thanks to them for sponsoring this episode. Um, that brings up an interesting point, though, uh, Brie, of, you know, what are the worries that you have as a small brewery right now? You know, where, where is, uh, what's keeping you up at night and how are you trying to find a, a solution to it? And sort of a jump ball for whoever wants to jump in there. My, my biggest worry right now is like getting, keeping enough people buying our beer to keep all our employees on. Um, we're open every day of the week for on-site and to go, but it's definitely a worry. Like our payroll is through the roof and our sales are lower than they should be. So that's my biggest concern. Yeah, I was gonna say our, our tough part is, you know, we have a real nice big beer garden right now. You know, that works well for the summer. Um, you know, the fall, I think the challenge, of course, is that when we have to go back to, you know, basically when it's too cold outside to have people outside, you know, we're going to be packaging only again. Mm -hmm. And so we, we went ahead and made the investment to go ahead and get a canning line um, on order, a small scale one, um, but enough that should help us at least get through the winter months. Because um, we honestly, I, I don't know, you know, how much we'd be able to be open outside during those times. And so we have to figure out some way to make up that revenue. Yeah. Chris, what about you? My concern is like, yeah, when it gets colder, um, I don't really, I don't can, I just keg everything. And my square footage of my tap room is barely 400 square feet. And if New York ever lets anyone inside a place, like, and if it's at 50% capacity, that's only 10 people, mm -hmm. like five people that can come in my tap rooms. Like, so I'm concerned about how do I keep the momentum going um, and make sure I can keep my employees 
making as much money as they're making now um, going into the fall. Going into the, well, the fall is fine. We're going into the winter. So do I start using my um, my canner and canning beer and pray and hope that people come and buy it without oxidation? But yeah, that's, that's been my concern. It's like, you know, how much beer do I make and how do I get it back out there? The other thing about um... – you know, obviously payroll is the big, uh, is, is the big worry I know for, for, for everybody, but also employee safety as well. And all of you, I imagine have very small staffs because you are you know, very small, uh, uh, breweries. Um, what have you been doing and, um, you know, where's the, uh, I don't know, the, 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 the concern lie for making sure that, the people who are working at your breweries and, and also yourselves uh, are, are, are staying safe. Well, what, I, what we've done here, like I know New York has moved to phase three. I decided to stay in phase two because I wasn't, I didn't want to expose my employees to more customers. Like we have a customer base who is very, it's very, it's neighborhood. It's like a very neighborhood and they want to talk and they want to sit, hang around. So I stayed in phase two. So there's no contact at all with um with customers like it's always six feet they have to come under garage door and order um and we we pretty much push them to order online so there's no really not much communication at all they just come grab their bags and go how about for uh for you brie we um we so we did open we kind of like talked to our our uh staff to see if they wanted to continue bartending and told them, you know, if they don't want to come in and bartend, that's fine. They still have a job. Um, if they want to come in and help do other stuff, we'll pay them to come in and help can if they want to do that while there's no one here. Um, all of them wanted to come in still. Um, we gave them all masks uh, from us and have masks available for customers as well. Um, and essentially, you know, they clean nonstop. They spray stuff with hand sanitizer as often as they absolutely can. Um, they know that, you know, if they don't feel good, don't come in. You're not going to get in trouble or anything. Uh, so we're trying to take care of them and keep everyone safe at the same time. It's kind of weird. Uh, yeah. How's that been for you, Courtney? Yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's, for us, so it's us and it's my twin sister and her husband and his brother. So it's literally five of us. And we, um, the masks are required by everybody that comes in when they're not seated. That's actually a rule in Indianapolis now. Um, anyways, but we just constantly sanitize, clean. Um, we aren't really like, you know, standing there talking to people. Um, we're trying to be as careful as we can, as much as we can and do it all in a smart way. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously nothing's a hundred percent. So we try to be as good as we can. Um, you know, what's interesting is you know, all of you are uh, owners or co-owners uh, of, of the breweries. Um, and uh, it, by and large, I'm sure, you know, it, it, it's a family affair. When you, when you own a place, uh, you know, you're bringing the work home with you. Um, how have you found a, a good balance between work life and home life, especially when, 
you know, you're also being you know, teachers and being parents as, as, as well uh, in all of this. And uh, Derek and Courtney, since uh, we have the two of you together on here, I'll, I'll let you guys sort of jump in there first. Um, I don't, yeah, there's a lot of thoughts, <laughs> thoughts there. I think, I think for us, the key has been finding balance. So maybe remote pandemic removed, it's finding the balance, making sure we still have some normal time where we don't talk about the brewery or kids, but that, that's not, a, that's really, it's never realistic, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so, you know, having basically we're having to produce more, especially when we're doing canning, you know, we're having to produce more beer you know, and basically making less revenue. And so that's basically forced us to be in the brewery a lot more um, than we were before. And so part of that is then, okay, well, you know, I'm there seven days a week, you know, 10 hours a day type thing. You know, how can we make some time for family? And so it's for us, it's been setting some time, you know, even right now it's mainly just like Sundays, you know, Sunday morning, that's family time, no matter what, I'm not going in. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, at least most time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then just make that effort to spend that time um, at home when we can. Yeah. For me, it was more like with the kids home. Um, and then when my, yeah, when my sister works, like she has two kids. So then we take turns watching the kids while we work in the beer garden. And it's trying to find a balance of when I can actually market the business while being home and taking care of everything else. So it's a constant struggle in my mind. But we're getting through it. It's like a day by day thing, I think. Yeah, right I now. want to get into marketing in just a second, but uh, brief for for you, how, how have you found the balance between work life and, and and home life? You know, when you know you have the struggles of a brewery right on top of you all the time, and I'm sure it's a major thought uh, all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely been rough. Um, so I became part owner of the brewery at the beginning of this year. Just been impeccable timing. Lucky um, you, yes. <laughs> um, and then, uh, so the original owners aren't here anymore, and the the two new owners took over in July of last year, and they still don't really know 100% the ins and outs of everything. So I'm like running the brew floor and the tap room and everything else. Um, and, you know, I have a partner at home, and I have a seven-year-old half the time, um, they haven't exactly been happy, you know, when your seven-year-old starts to take away your phone because you're like constantly trying to post social media and stuff, like, you know, that it's like, okay, I get it. <laughs> um, so it's, I've, the past couple months, I've definitely been more aware of how much time I'm spending here and trying to let the other owners know, you know, I'm not going to go home and answer Facebook messages. Um, they can message and wait um, and, you know, tell them, okay, I'm taking these days off. You need to like be in control. So like a couple weekends ago, I took, I took a weekend off. We went to the middle of nowhere, Missouri for the weekend. Um, and, you know, of course the first day I had an employee set the alarm off because they didn't, text the right person <laughs> like hey i told you i was gonna be gone <laughs> chris how about with you how uh how have you been finding the balance and what have you learned along the way um you know like there's a little young lady that's walking back and forth behind me i've been getting my kids to come here to the brewery to help out like yesterday my my um my middle daughter my youngest daughter she came and helped me in the kitchen to prep food um, she's also come and helped me brew beer. My oldest already came out today to hang out. Um, and my son, 
he comes by. He's gonna come by this afternoon, so that's where it's, that's where we've been spending that time. Um, also, too, my wife is also a small has a business, so it's like we're both spinning. So it's like I, I try to get home by seven o'clock at least, and don't mm-hmm. leave my and try to leave my house before nine o'clock. Right. So I can always have some time with the kids, um, and I try to force them to come here to spend more time with me. And also be part of the bit, like you know, we're a family business, so like be part of the business and like be seen. Um, I had the problem with paying them. Entrepreneurship. Money's a pretty yeah. good bribe, yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, my daughter's here today. Like, she's she just came by to say, to say, say, say what's up. So that's how we've been spending it. And plus, my wife is actually out of town this weekend, just for the next two weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, her business is expanding to her home state. So it's been a lot of moving parts. So it's like, there's never enough, there's never enough time. No. Um, so you all talked about marketing and Facebook messages and uh, meeting new people in the neighborhood and uh, trying to, to, you know, get new people coming in through the door and, and really staying engaged. And I'm curious how your message for the brewery has changed from, you know, let's just say first week of February uh, to now, because the world has changed so much since then. Ha- have you done anything to change your messaging or, um, uh, done things as far as uh, marketing efforts go that you thought that you would never be doing? You know, for me, a PR person approached me about doing marketing for my business. Yeah. And like, before I was like, yeah, I was anti-PR person. And it's like, sure, you can help me on that part of the business. But otherwise, my market's pretty much stayed the same. I try to keep it more community-based and more like a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, and we've been pretty much staying consistent to that throughout. But I'm, I'm horrific at responding to Facebook messages or um, Instagram messages. Maybe even emails, one might say. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm horrific. <laughs> For the past several weeks, I was like, I need an assistant, but I can't afford one. I'm just glad you made it. I was getting nervous right up until uh, showtime today. But um, uh, Courtney, what about you though? Because you you do marketing for the brewery. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my sister takes all of our photos from day one when we opened. That was a big focus for us, and so we've never lost. We to us like marketing on Instagram and Facebook is kind of, I guess, our bread and butter. I don't know if I like that term, but um, we focus on that like every day. Um, and I, I'm lucky that that's kind of like my 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 contribution to our team is that I dedicate the time to be able to respond to that stuff. I'd say the only thing that we've had to change is just the fact that like, you know, you social or social distancing, the mask are included, and then yeah. the ability to actually order beer from your table and we'll bring it out to you and you don't have to come into the bar to order it. So try there's I feel like the message has gotten longer. So each Instagram post, it's not just a picture I'm posting. It's, you know, it's like basically like the rules of the day. Um you know, when you come here, what to expect. Um, but I think people are used to that and maybe appreciate it now too. Bree, I, I, I was looking at your social media, uh, some of the stuff that's going through earlier, and there, there are sort of like peaks behind the brew house um, as well as sort mm-hmm. of like what's happening at the, at, at the brewery these days. And I'm curious, is that some, something that had been happening before or 
you know, has, have, have the stories become more personal in times of pandemics? I feel like they have become a little more personal lately um, with Facebook and Instagram, like trying to defeat and comprehend their algorithms. It's impossible. <laughs> so I've found lately that, you know, telling a story and getting personal with people um, and telling them more about what we're doing is very beneficial. We get a lot more feedback and a lot more interactions when it's not just a picture of beer or, you know, we're not telling people that we're clean. Um, it, it's unfortunate that people don't understand that breweries are notoriously extremely clean places. <laughs> so I feel like it's kind of redundant to have to tell them over and over again that, you know, we're clean. But sure. yeah, I think, you know, taking a look into what we're doing in the back house and introducing our employees and everything like that has uh, helped us quite a bit. As we start to close out this, uh, th this round table here, uh, I'm gonna ask all of you the same question and Derek, I'm gonna start with you, but uh, what do you wish you knew, you knew back then, whenever back then was, uh, that you know now? I, I think, obviously, as a small brewery, most of us don't plan on, on going into packaging, especially not, not the sizes that we are. And, you know, I think maybe it wouldn't necessarily change how we went forward because obviously this isn't, isn't something you can necessarily foresee, but having that plan, um, you know, what should happen, at least at this point, if, you know, if you are shut down for a while, if you only do packaging, you know, can you make sure that in your business plan that you can basically survive, um, you know, two, three months of, of having to go through something where people, you know, can't buy plants from you, um, they buy you know, cans at a lower profit margin instead. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's definitely something that I think everyone should be thinking more about moving forward is, you know, how, how can you cope with, you know, a situation like this in the future? Chris, what about you? What you wish you knew uh, now that you, back then that you know now? I wish I knew that. And then that I guess it's always, always known like better planning and better forecasting with the business. And especially when it came to the beer, like, not having self-doubt and being more confident in what I'm doing uh, with the beer that I'm, I'm producing. I might not like it, but that's my taste, not, not, my, not my consumer base. I have to go forward learning, like I have to go forward, like not thinking about what I like, and thinking about what my customer likes. Bree, what about you? Yeah, uh, I agree with what they both said. Yeah, have faith in the community, that the community will kind of help you, uh, whether it's your fellow brewers or beer drinkers um, that they'll help you. And then also just staying ahead. Don't wait until you need grain to order grain. <laughs> Don't wait until you need cans to order cans. Uh, always, always have kind of some stuff in stock that you might need. Courtney, you were the, uh, the first one in the room. You get the last word. <laughs> the last word. Yeah. I, I think it goes along with what everyone said. Um, I, from what Chris is saying about the community support, like we've been so lucky with our customers who we call friends now. I mean, we see them every weekend, like um, being able to rely on them has been amazing and planning ahead. We're trying to figure out where we can store a few pallets of cans for, for the winter and get that stuff already, already ready to go. So we shall see what, what is needed.
Well, thank you all for uh, hanging out in this uh, Zoom room for, uh, for the last hour or so and for sharing your stories and sharing your insight. Uh, I certainly appreciate it. And uh, as I've been saying uh, all along, I'm, I'm compiling a list of all the places that I want to go and uh, drink beer at once, uh, once we can all travel again. And I have three new places now to add. So, uh, thanks so much. And whoever's being evacuated right now, uh, uh, good luck to you guys <laughs> with the fire truck. That, that's that's city that's city living right now. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. It's uh, uh, a couple of episodes back. I had the guy across the street with his leaf blower. So uh, uh, it's just <laughs> podcasting in the age of COVID. But uh, mm-hmm. thank you all again for doing this. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having us. Before we go, I'll invite you to head over to byo.com/nanopodcast and subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine, and to catch up with great homebrewing content. New episodes of this show are released on the 15th of each month, so subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing nano at byo.com or checking in with us on all of the BYO social media channels. Before we go, I'm happy to tell you that this episode was sponsored by Blickman Pro Brewing. With superior engineering and unrivaled service, Blickman Pro Brewing equipment is the smart choice for your bottom line. With their turnkey 3.5 barrel gas-fired or electric brew house systems starting at only $16,999, you won't find a better match of price, performance, and quality. Hit the ground running with equipment you can count on and support you can trust so you can focus on what matters. ROI. Visit BlickmanPro.com to learn more. And also, join us on November 6th and 7th for NanoCon Online. COVID-19 might keep us from being in San Diego, but our new interactive online format will feature the opportunity to get questions answered from craft brewing experts in real time and learn from each other about what is working and what isn't. You'll also gain full access to video recordings of our 30-plus seminars and roundtable discussions on both the business and brewing side of running a small-scale brewery. With so many fundamental changes this year, it's important, more important than ever to invest in better understanding the new business landscape for brewing and how to best rebuild or launch your small brewery. Don't miss learning from craft brewing industry experts without even leaving your home or brewery with live online sessions covering sales and marketing, brewing operations, business operations, and startups. Plus, when you register now, you'll save $100 and pay just $199. For full event details, check out nanocon.beer. I'm John Hall. You can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast, as well as Steal This Beer. I hope you'll tune into those. Our thanks to Scott McCampbell for supplying the music for this show. And once again, be sure to check out byo.com slash nanopodcast for all your nano brewing needs. And for now, we wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day, and I look forward to being back with you next month.